You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. Unfortunately, Susie can't join us today, but we do have two guests with us. Hey, it's Josh Strasberg, and I have brought along my spawn, Tegan. Hello. <laughs> Thank you both for joining us. It's uh, We're continuing our month of remakes and requels. We're actually ending it with this one. This is episode 144, The Crazies from 2010. Uh, it's an hour and 41 minutes, directed by Breck Eisner. Uh, we would know him from Sahara, Fear Itself, uh, The Last Witch Hunter, and The Expanse. Um, unlike the previous two films, I'm just going to go right ahead and say, this is one that isn't bad. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. let's go around the table and see yeah. what everyone thinks. Uh, Josh, as you are our guest, we'll start with you. <clears throat> hey, thanks. Thanks again for, for having us on. And let me bring Tegan with me. Um, yay. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah, this is a remake that is actually uh, a really, really good remake. This is a perfect example of how to do a remake because they told the same story essentially, but there's a lot of new information and new elements uh, that are different from the original movie. Uh, So they really made their own thing out of it and just told the story on the skeleton of the whole idea without being disrespectful. You know, I mean, maybe changing a little bit too much in some places, but I think in general, they did a really good job of executing an interesting story based on an old premise. Uh, You know, again, that was, uh, you know, it wasn't insulting to the original movie by, you know, just throwing everything away and, and starting over. So I really think that they rode the balance successfully and it's just a really kick-ass like action movie. It was, it's a ton of fun. Uh, the cat, I think the cast is for the most part, you know, pretty damn good. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I was really stoked. This is one of those movies where, uh, Tegan who has great taste in thumbnails, you know, (laughs) (laughs) where we were just scrolling along. I forget we were watching something else and it was over. We were just scrolling down and she always insists on looking at the, like, uh, if you like this, you'll like this movie, you know, suggestions and saw the the thumbnail and was like, that's it. That's the next movie we're going to watch. And I was like, eh, I don't know, like remake, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> I guess it could be okay, but also that the time period, like the, the mid to late, like 20, 2000s, you know, I'm like, I don't know. There was a kind of a weird time in horror, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, Tegan, so tell them what you think. I, uh, when I was looking at this, I just saw, um, as the thumbnail shows, it's a man walking down a hallway with a pitchfork that's, like, leaving yep. a trail of a liquid, which we can only assume is blood. And I was like, that one. That will be a good movie right there. Because, <laughs> like, if you're going to literally show what I assume is a murder weapon on, on the screen, well, you can only, it can only be a good movie after that. Right. I was right. They didn't hold back on the kills. Like Dad said, they were all really badass. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one particular one I'm going to talk about later once we get there, but Ooh, that one, that one makes such chill, chills down my spine when they did it. It was great. Uh, but yeah, didn't hold back on the gore. I learned some things while watching it. How, like how small a small town can really be like, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, it was just really, really good. And I could go on for hours, but I won't because 
I don't think you want to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely uh, go through scene by scene, so we have plenty of opportunity there. Um, but Maurice, we'll toss it over to you. What, do you. what are your thoughts on this one? Well, much like <clears throat> Josh said, and yeah, you know, like you know, we've talked about in the past. Uh, I actually like this better than the original. Yeah. Um, I don't think the original is that great of a movie, to be honest with you. Same. Uh, um, so this uh, is, I think, a big improvement. I I remember seeing this in the theater. Actually, um, I went by myself, and I think you were like on like crazy hours. Yeah, and I I, I really wanted to see it. Yeah, it was one of those ones I was sad that I couldn't go see in the theater, but I bought as soon as it came out on DVD. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, DVD. Um, that's old school. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of my childhood. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I just bought some DVDs recently. <laughs> <laughs> hey Mike, hey Mike, guess what? You're you're old. I know. <laughs> wow. Gotta write that that one that one down for the history books. What a revelation. <laughs> Did you go to Walmart and have to like dust them off first? <laughs> no, I, I went to the Dollar Tree. Oh wow! <laughs> go to the back rooms. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Reese. You were we, we interrupted you. <laughs> you sure did. And I lost my train of thought. No, <laughs> Damn it. no. Um, but I remember being in the theater, and there was maybe, well, I was there by myself, so there was maybe like three other people. <laughs> I think there was like four of us. Or five total. I think there was like maybe four other people plus myself. Mm-hmm. So there's five people in total. But I, I like the, even though it came out in 2010, it kind of was filmed to look like it was made in the 70s. And I like that, you know, that style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I haven't seen it as much as I'd like to. I mean, you know, I really do enjoy it, but yeah, you know, these, these disaster movies or, I mean, if, or if you want to call it zombie movie, whatever you want to call it, but mm-hmm. you know, if I see that it's on or if it's streaming somewhere, I'll, I'll, I'll play it. I don't think I own it, but I do enjoy watching it. Uh, it's got a really good cast. Yeah, it does. Um, and it's our, uh, yeah, I was gonna say our second second movie with uh, Danielle Panabaker. Just, yeah, uh, she was in the Friday Thirteenth remake. Yeah, she was <clears> all <throat> over the remake uh, scene mm-hmm. in the the late yeah. mid to late two thousands. I was wondering it, where I recognized her. because yeah, she she was also in uh, Piranha Three Double D. The hey, second oh yeah, Piranha she was. Yeah. Oh, that terrible right. movie. Has there has let's be serious though. Has there ever been a good Piranha movie? No. I, and I mean, the I original's will, not good. I will <laughs> say hilarious, yes. Yeah, good, oh yeah, no. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, hilariously so, bad, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Piranha 3D, they, they literally were just winking at the camera the entire oh, yeah. movie. Oh, so they yeah. were like, we know this is bad, but come along for the ride. And yeah. it didn't disappoint in that regard. <laughs> yep. One thing I forgot to mention about the crazies is that they left some mysteries unsolved, which I could appreciate. It lets us wonder about what's going on or like how this actually happened. Right. Yeah. yeah it's it's definitely one of those ones where they set it up for, oh, is there going to be a sequel? Of course, never. <laughs> but yeah. you know, right. they set it up. Now, yeah. I, I, I agree with you guys. Like, I really like this film. Uh, it was one of those movies that 
like I said, when, when Maurice was talking about it, I was sad I couldn't go see it in the theater. And it became one of my go-to, uh, like, to put on while I'm drawing. So it was, like, one of those movies I've seen over and over and over again. Um, which is funny because the original... I, I know uh, this is like fanboy blasphemy to say anything against George Romero, but it's not a good film. It's a great idea for a film, but it's executed really poorly. Oh, um, you did bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just rewatched it again last night because I'm like, all right, before we before we do this, let me let me just focus and actually watch this movie. And it's hard to get through because it's it's a very jumbled film. Um, however, I did notice one thing they talk like we, we all know the, the, uh, the virus is codenamed Trixie, which is very close to trioxin. And at the end of the original crazies, they talk about needing to go to Louisville for another possible outbreak. Return of the living dead takes place in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, Oh, oh, wait, (laughs) did they get the idea from this? That kind of sounded like um, trigoxin, that pill that was in Run. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It sounded oh, like okay. I thought. I literally thought you said trigoxin for a second. I was like, "Have you watched Run?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all, all about that Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Not to get too off, off topic, but yeah, I would highly recommend Run too. That's another one of those movies that Tegan oh, insisted that I watch, definitely. and I was not interested, to be honest with you, because it's like a psychological like thriller. I was not not interested. It just I mean, I watched I just wasn't in the mood really. And then she's like, No, I insist. And we sat down to watch it and holy crap, it is so good. You have got to check it out. So, this uh, is why I have YouTube. I get the really good recommendations on it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh with Sarah oh, Paulson from twenty twenty. Yeah. I did hear about this. I never I never saw it. I'll have to add this to my list. Yeah, I definitely should. Yeah, it's a really Woo. good Sarah, Sarah Paulson vehicle. Yeah, Tegan gets the credit on this one too. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, yeah, this this is something I'll add to Add to my list of movies to slowly get through. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been getting better. I actually just watched the Batman the other day. So oh, finally, I haven't yeah, seen it finally yet. finally sat down for that three hour epic. Oh, uh, I haven't oh, seen it. I'm waiting. To, to be fair, I broke it up into two parts, but I still watched. Um, but yeah, so I'm slowly making my way through it. But yeah, uh, to get back to this, like the original crazies, there's a lot of good ideas, but then there's a lot of like really uncomfortable and weird moments. And the thing that I couldn't get away from is in the remake, the the virus turns people into like psychotic killers. You know, they, they do these horrible things. It's almost like, you know, it, it, it it's like a compulsion to murder. But with the original, everyone just acted like toddlers. What? Like, yeah, some of them killed. Other people were just like touching everything and other people were singing and dancing. There was a lady like sweeping a field for no reason with a broom. Just like there was a gunfight and she's like, la da 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 da, just cleaning the field. Yeah, there was in the in the remake, there was a lady on a bicycle singing a song, and then or later on we saw an old lady talking to dead corpses and then right. two other baseball players like punching what I think is a dumpster. Yes. Yeah. Well but that's... the lady <clears throat> lady on the bike was Lynn Laurie. That was her like cameo. Yeah. Mm. But that was like the only um those were the only moments of quote unquote crazy where they weren't psychotic. In the original, it's like it's more crazy than psychotic. Like there's a whole sequence where the military is trying to like uh, get all of the people into one classroom, and there's like a guy who just keeps touching all the guys' faces. <laughs> He's like <laughs> poking them, and he's like, "Stop that! No, you stop that!" <laughs> and then another guy like spits on somebody. He's like, "Oh my god, get it off me! Get it off me!" 
and it's just it's it's random. It's it's very humorous. Um, but there is one scene like George Romero. He he does chaotic scenes very well, where you'll have um, like a bunch of talking heads like arguing about the horrible event that's taking place, and he does that really well in the crazies, where there's all these you know various uh, senators and military generals and stuff complaining about what they should do and it's it's very tense moments then those are those are well done and then there's the scenes where the military is is taking the town to the school and that oh. is freaking hilarious because they're going house by house gathering people up and everyone's reacting differently and there's this one kid it reminded me now Josh and Maurice I know you guys have seen the GI Joe PSA redubs um mm-hmm. you know the, the body <laughs> massage there's this one kid <laughs> this guy goes to pull him out of his bed. And he's like, no, get, stop it. What are you, what are you doing? Get off me. And it reminded me of the kid when Mutt grabs him. He goes, eh, you're not my friend. Like, it was very much the same cadence. <laughs> and I couldn't yeah. stop laughing. <laughs> like, so oh, it has its merit to watch for, for humorous factor. And again, it's a good idea. But this is the, the one I always use as an example to say the remake is far better than the original. Because they, they took that idea and they told you a good story with it. Wow, yeah. what a rarity. What a rarity. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> yeah, and Reese, I, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually didn't even realize that that was uh, Lynn Lowry on the bike. So that's actually kind of cool. I've seen, seen the movie like a couple times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tegan, to, uh, for your benefit, uh, she was in the original Crazies. So oh, the, actri- okay. the actress, yeah. Yeah, I I didn't even know this crazies was a remake. I was just like, cool movie, pitchfork on the <laughs> pitchfork on the thumbnail. Father, sit down. We're watching this. Get the popcorn. Yeah, yeah. The, the way the pitchfork was used in the original is actually pretty hilarious <laughs> because the the gore in the original crazies. This was pre Tom Savini Romero, so um, the gore was very badly done. It looked like a lot of red house house paint. And yeah. it was very clearly like people with their arms tucked in their jacket, getting fake limbs cho- chopped off. But this one soldier gets knocked down and this guy pins him to the ground by stabbing a pitchfork through his arm. That's clearly not his arm. And he's just <laughs> wiggling back and forth like, ah, ah, what do I do? Oh, it's no. Really funny. Arm. <laughs> and then my favorite, there's a head explosion. That is very clearly a melon in a gas mask that just pops. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. <laughs> nice. I I haven't seen it since I don't know, two thousand, like the year two thousand, maybe. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of my old jobs, and even then, it was like I was working, and I, I used to work at the Smoke and Joe uh, gas station, the one up on, uh, not the one that's uh, by the the high school, but the other one. What they call it, Indian Hill or something. It's like the other yeah. one. It's like mm-hmm. up the hill. So like, it's like in the middle of nowhere. I used to work the night shift and my boss would like put on Romero movies all the time. Like he insisted, which is when I, where I saw Donna, Donna the dead the first time and even, uh, uh, uh brain dead. Right. Or, uh, Oh yeah. Dead alive. Dead alive. Yeah. I was like, I don't, why is that name escaping me? But yeah. And so he put this one on one night and I was just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I was kind of like half paying attention to it. You know, right. like <laughs> this is not a good one, you know? Uh, yeah. And then and I never went bothered to go back and actually like properly sit down and watch it. So when I, and when I heard there was a remake originally, it was right in that, like it, you mentioned it like zombies and they, it's not re- technically, I guess they're not really zombies. They're kind of like 20 days, 28 days later type of zombies. Yeah. Um, oh but no, like, the fast zombies. <laughs> never watched it, but I saw a chase yeah. scene. I was like, Oh, if I saw that, you, you, bye bye body. I'm going to, I'm going to leave now. Just like, <laughs> just like soul leaves body. Goodbye. 
Oh yeah, like in the Dawn nice of the Dead remake. You. Yeah, the Dawn of the Dead remake had the. Anyway, my my point being that the it was right at the height of like the you know zombies pop culture like overload, and it was just there was too many zombie movies and too many zombie comics and TV shows, and so when I saw this this guess came out, I was just like, nope, that sounds like a cheap cash grab for zombies <laughs> and you know and buying up cheap rights from a Romero movie that nobody cares about, but yep. I was definitely wrong. Yeah, no, uh-huh. it's it's a it's a solid <laughs> flick, and and it was refreshing because this this month. You know, we had two back-to-back uh, craptacular remakes. <laughs> we had <laughs> Fright Night and Amityville, so I, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> to finally have something fun to talk about again. Um, but yeah, let's get into the cast real quick. Uh, it's, it's actually one of those movies that has a huge cast, so I only grabbed a couple uh, just because there's far too many people in this film. But the main players, we have David, uh, played by Timothy Oliphant. He was in Scream 2, Gone in 60 Seconds, Go, Dreamcatcher, Deadwood, uh, the Santa Clarita Diet, and The Mandalorian. Um, then we have Judy, played by Rada Mitchell. She was in Pitch Black, Phone Booth, Silent Hill, Surrogates, and Man on Fire. Uh, Russell, played by Joe Anderson. He was in The Ruins, The Grey, Twilight, and Hannibal. Uh, Becca, played by Danielle Panabaker. We already mentioned Friday the 13th and Piranha 3DD. But she was also in uh, CSI, Sky High, Arrow, Supergirl, The Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. Um, then we have Deidre Farnham, who was played by Christy Lynn Smith. She was in Charmed, CSI, Dexter, Bones, and Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Bill Farnham, played by Brett Rickaby. He was in Law and Order, Angel, Star Trek Enterprise, Cursed, CSI, Dexter, and True Blood. Oh, he's also in The Fear of the Walking Dead. I always forget about that one. Um, Nicholas, played by Preston Bailey. He was in uh, Criminal Minds, Children of the Core, and the 2009 one. <laughs> <laughs> that one's so bad. Um, Dexter and A Million Ways to Die in the West. Uh, Rory Hamill, played by Mike Hickman. He was in Christy, MacGyver, and True Detective. Then Peggy Hamill, played by Lisa K. Wyatt. She was in Donnie Darko, Legally Blonde, My Name is Earl, and The Office. And then Kurt Hamill. This is the guy that I friggin' love, but I'm sad he was only in a little bit of the movie. Uh, Justin Wellborn. He is in so many cool horror movies. He's in The Signal. If you guys have not seen The Signal and you like this, watch The Signal. It's Father, so good. to the list. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I haven't and seen it. Okay. If you like Return of the Living Dead, check out Dance of the Dead. That is so damn funny. Great zombie comedy. Love it. Uh, he's in the uh, Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie uh, sequel. He's in VHS Viral, another great movie. The VHS, VHS movies are all great. Southbound, which is this really cool uh, anthology horror where you can't quite tell how everything connects until the very end of the film. And then uh, Beyond the Gate, which is this fantastic, uh, almost like a D&D horror movie where there's this like cursed board game. And uh, I don't want to ruin what happens, but it's it's fantastic. It's, it's a fun horror ghost comedy. Is it just so. me or can you hear uh, war drums in the background? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Better run before the hippos come through, you know what I mean? (laughs) Jumanji! (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, seriously, like, this guy, he's he's one of those horror actors that's just in everything. He just always pops up in other horror movies. It's great. So, but if uh, for anyone who's listening to this and has yet to see the movie... The basic premise is a plane crashes near a small, the small town of Ogden Marsh. Uh, the plane was contain, uh, contained a weaponized virus that gets into the town's water supply and causes the majority of the citizens to go crazy. So simple premise, basically an outbreak style movie. 
um, where shit goes really wrong really fast. Oh, <laughs> <So>. yeah. <laughs> we, I love this opening because we open with the town on fire, just in utter ruins and chaos. We cue We'll Meet Again by Johnny Cash, and it says two days earlier. And then we see the happy montage of Ogden Marsh. <laughs> All the people going about their day and, you know, just having happy little lives about to be ruined. Who doesn't love the happy montage with a weird old man that with seemingly having curlers in his hair on his tractor? Huh? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> this this montage reminds me so much of the opening montage of Slither, where oh, it's yeah. like we get the, oh, the yeah, weird definitely. like title card with the alien, and then it's like, oh look, happy montage. <laughs> <laughs> we actually watched Slither again because I saw the thumbnail and was like, ooh, that looks good. It's so and good. I know. Like, I saw it and was like, Dad, we need to add this to the list because this thumbnail looks great. Okay. <laughs> okay, so now, if, if you like Slither, Josh, you're going to have to make her watch Night of the Creeps. Because that's, oh, that's, oh, yeah. that's the 80s movie that Slither is copying. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I got to put it on the list. There's so many movies that come up, too. Like, we just talk about them, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I got to put it on the list that I never actually remember. And Okay, since you mentioned it, I have my phone. <laughs> I put The Signal and Night of the Creeps on the list. Night of the Creeps is one of my all-time favorite Tom Atkins movies. It's just, it's such such a silly movie. It's got freaking Rusty from National Lapoon's European Vacation. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so much fun. But, um, so yeah, we zoom in on uh, uh, Dr. Dutton, Judy Dutton's office, and we meet uh, Becca and Judy. Becca tries to make up some kind of piss poor excuse about her aunt's in town and she's really sick and, you know, she needs to go home early. And then, you know, the doctor calls her out, basically knowing that she's trying to sneak off to see her boyfriend at his baseball game. So she's like, go on, go have fun. So take off. It's like you're at the doctor. Just bring your aunt here. Right. Exactly. You literally, you literally work at the doctor's <laughs> office. The sick thing is not going to work, buddy. I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. It's like, I, I, I get this, and Maurice, you'll, you, I'm sure you'll remember this type of stuff, but at the hospital, I tend to, to take all the, the call-in calls to give to the supervisor. And certain supervisors, people won't try to call in with. So I'll, I'll get, the, you know, I'll say, you know, my normal greeting, and they'll be like, who's the supervisor? And then if I say the wrong name, they're like, oh, never mind. And then they hang up. It's like, oh, so you weren't sick. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Playing hooky. I got you. <laughs> but... So we cut to the baseball game where we see most of the town gathered, including Sheriff David Dutton and his deputy, Russell. Uh, suddenly, old Rory wanders onto the field with a shotgun. David assumes Rory is drunk and heads off to talk to him and try to get him to calm down. Pretty quick, it becomes clear there's something wrong with Rory. Like, his eyes are all glazed over. He doesn't look right. He holds yeah, the shotgun. Drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he got the nose bleeding, which becomes important later. Yep. And then he holds the shotgun up at David. David, you know, unholsters, well, unclips his gun and is trying to get Rory to calm down. And he aims it at David's head. So David has no choice but to shoot him. So he basically kills him in front of the entire town. Ooh, yay. Childish yeah. trauma. Some more spicy <laughs> memories to add to the add to the safe. Right. <laughs> so now we cut to a satellite image of the of the scene pan out to the entire town and says Ogden Marsh Township, population 1,260. And we get the title card. Later that night, we see the coroner talking to David, explaining that he'll have the blood alcohol contents in the morning, but a full talk screen will take about a week. Russell comes in and tells him that Rory's wife, Peggy, and his son, Kurt, are there. David goes out to talk to him. Kurt looks ready to kill him. 
David tries to apologize and Peggy asks what Rory was doing out there. David tells her he was drunk. She slaps him saying he quit drinking over two years ago. You know that. And, you know, basically she accuses him of lying and saying, is that what you're telling the town that you had to kill the town drunk? And they storm off. That night at the Dutton's house, we see uh, Judy wake up and David isn't in bed. She passes by a mostly built nursery. So tells us they're expecting. And uh, she goes and finds David out on the porch. She tells him that he did the right thing. We can see it's clearly eating away at him. Like he didn't want to have to kill Rory. So the next day, David gets a call from the coroner and finds out that there was absolutely no alcohol in Rory's bloodstream. He tells him that he'll have the drug test soon, but he tested twice and Rory was not drunk. So dun, dun, dun. <laughs> a mystery is afoot. I almost just did that. I, I unmuted so I could go dun, dun, dun. And then you did it. <laughs> <laughs> same page, same page. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Same brain cells. <laughs> exactly. But see, this hey, is why Rain who told her? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you two just share one brain cell at one point. I like for most of for most of like this podcast, I'm like, yep, these guys only have one brain cell. <laughs> We're gonna say, Mike. Oh, so, so, yeah, that's that's what what makes raised by rentals work. We just keep feeding off of each other, like passing the idea back and forth. But so we cut to David at the baseball field, looking around. He comes across Principal Ben, who is just sitting there eerily by himself in the stands. David tries to talk to him, but Ben is completely out of it. He finally gets his attention, and Ben tells David not to worry that the kids are resilient, and then he runs off. It's like, okay, what's going on with you, buddy? I actually got Ben and Bill confused a lot, mostly because their actors looked a bit similar to me. I was like, is this the same guy? Like, oh, they're, yeah. calling him, they're calling him <laughs> William, Bill, and Ben. Like, is that an inconsistency, or is it what? <laughs> they're, they're and both... dad was like, and dad, dad was like, they're different people. Bill is a common name for a common nickname for William. And then it was like I had like a revelation. <laughs> they're, they're, to be fair, they're both skinny white dudes with receding hairlines and a bird like nose. So and which, like sunken to, in eyes. Yeah. yeah. Which to be fair is like most of the cast. That, that right. Isn't, right. Most <laughs> except for like, you know, the name actors like Timothy Oliphant, like most of the rest of them are like just a bunch of like middle aged, like sad looking white dudes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like with my, hair. Yeah. Like, my aunt looks like the mom from Hereditary. And we, like, even showed her. And she's like, no, I don't. And we're like, yes, you do. You look like, you look almost like her twin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can see it. Right? You, yeah. Yeah you, know, yeah, you know Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about that. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> I, th- I, I think she was offended because she thought Tony Collette, like, looked a lot older in the movie, you know, than like, in, like, real life. And she was like, I don't think, I don't look that old. I'm like... <laughs> It's like, like don't fair, worry. It's Tony Collette's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, she is. She, she is, but she she definitely looked like we'll say haggard in that movie because she was, yeah. you know, her character was extremely stressed out. We're just like, don't worry, Aunt, don't worry, Aunt Kelly. It's just the bug eye. It's just the bug eyes and the triangle face. <laughs> 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 don't let her see this. She'll kill me. <laughs> I'm gonna send her oh. to the episode when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Must listen. <laughs> Father, um, you've doomed me. <laughs> but now uh, we cut to, to Judy's office and we see uh, the Farnham's there. Judy has brought her, her I'm sorry, Deidre has brought her, uh, her husband, Bill, and her son, Nicholas, there. Uh, Bill is a little off. So she tells Judy that she's not, you know, he doesn't have a temperature or anything, but she can't tell what's wrong with him. So Judy checks all of his vitals. Bill seems, you know, he does seem off, but his vitals are fine. Like he keeps repeating himself. 
He seems very distant. So Judy tells Deidre that she wants him to get a CT scan on Monday to rule out anything serious. So they go home. That night at the Farnham's farm, we see this really tense moment. Like, this this creeped me the fuck out. Where Nicholas, the son, is staring out the window and we see the, the barn where the, the lights are on and the wheat thresher is just going. So mom goes out there to find out why the hell Bill's out in the barn. And uh, she, like, goes right up in front of the wheat thresher while the, the blades are turning. I'm like, no! Lady, that's how you lose a face. Right. Also, like, <laughs> I know, my... What I'm wondering is, like, why on earth does Nicholas have his DS at, like, five in the morning? Like, what is that kid doing? Because, <laughs> like, I, if I had my DS out at night, I wouldn't come out right in front of my... Uh, my mom with my DS out, like, oh, yes, I have definitely been playing my DS. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just focus on the wheat. Uh, just focus on the wheat thrasher going. Everything's fine. <laughs> right. But not like that. That moment when she's like standing right in front of the wheat thrasher. I'm like, oh, God, it's going to it's going to move. She's going to die. Like, that's, I couldn't get that out of my head. The first time <laughs> I saw it. Yeah, that uh, that scene made me think of, oh, I don't remember his name, but in Cars. When they're in that field and the, like they're like uh, tipping the tractors and stuff, then they go into the barn and then there's that giant wheat thrasher car that starts chasing <laughs> right. him. And I'm just like, and I'm just like, oh yes, this is a childhood traumatizing memory I had. <laughs> that thing scared me. I was like, oh god. Anything with giant die. spinning blades is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, so she goes into the cab and finds that Bill isn't there. So she, you know, she turns off the wheat thrasher. And then she hears uh, she hears Nicholas scream and she goes running back to the house. When she gets in there, she can't find her son. She's looking around. She eventually finds him hiding in the closet. And he tells her that daddy has a knife. So the two hide and they hear him coming. And we get this the, the, the jump scare moment that has to be in an early 2000s movie where we see Bill walk by and he's holding a knife. And then she's watching out the keyhole. Now, the first time I watched this, I expected the knife to come in through the keyhole. Um, just because <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> eye trauma, why not? Yeah, right. But no, we get the the eye that jumps into frame and looks at her, and it's like, ah, oh, jump scare. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yes, join the eye, the visually impaired club. <laughs> right. <laughs> like one of my friends put on my glasses, and she was like, and she like instantly took them off. I was like, how on earth do you see? And I'm just sitting here like, mm, they're a little dirty, I guess, but I didn't think they were that bad. <laughs> Ah, uh, vision trouble. Uh, <laughs> I feel that. Ah, <laughs> uh, the best comedy there is. <laughs> but now this this scene is is messed up because Bill locks him in the closet and he pours gasoline all throughout the house and lights it on fire with his family inside screaming for help. Now, in the original movie, we open with a similar scene uh, where a father burns his house down with his kids inside, but the kids get out. So they are burned and it's Dang very it's... bad special effects, but they didn't leave. They, got, yeah. they didn't stay inside. Right. They, they weren't they weren't <laughs> locked in. And again, in the original, he didn't like he had a moment of clarity after he did it. So it's like once he burned the house, like when the authorities got there, he was freaking out about his kids being inside and like wanted to get out of the cop car to try to save them, even though his kids were already rescued by the paramedics. So he had this like he no longer wanted to harm them moment. Like it wasn't like this movie where he did it and then was just like, yep, I did it. <laughs> They're dead, you know, like didn't care. Um, so we get uh, we get all the authorities showing up at the, at the Farnham's house. And Bill is pretty much, you know, nuck and futz at this point. Um, so they, they tell uh, David when he gets there that when they, they showed up to put out the fire, Bill was just mowing his lawn in front of his burning house. 
So it's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The the (laughs) crazy is just played so much better in this. So now we we cut to hunters in a swamp. Uh, We find this. There's a parachute hanging in the trees. They go over to the parachute, pull the lines, and they pull up a bloated corpse from the water. Cut to the police station. We see Bill in his cell looking like a statue, completely unmoving. Uh, David comments that he's had that look on his face since, or he had, he's had that look on his face all night. He hasn't st- like he hasn't blinked, hasn't changed his expression. And David says that's the same look Rory gave me, the exact same look. And then we cut back to the swamp with the body. We see David and Rustler there now with the coroner. And David comments that they they have a pilot but no plane. So uh, Russell tells him about the the basically the town liar Travis Quinn telling him that he heard something crash in the water out by or out by his house. And he thought he was lying on the count of, you know, he's full of shit. <laughs> so we cut to David and Russell on the boat with Travis looking for the plane. Finally, they find it. And it's a pretty damn big plane. Like it's un- completely under them. It's this huge plane. <clears throat> so we pan out to a satellite view again, and it says initiate containment protocol. We see David and Russell, uh, I'm sorry, David, David and Russell look into where the town gets their drinking water from and uh, which houses get the water first. And they find out that Rory, you know, his family, the Hamels, is the first on the pipeline. So start putting two and two together. They Mm. think whatever was on that plane poisoned the town's water supply and is the cause of what's going on. I was like, that's that's the only problem I have with this is the logic jumps are pretty frickin fast. Because they don't know what's yeah. on the plane or that it was carrying anything. But they're just like, oh, that must be what happened. That's why Rory went crazy. And it's like, okay, I'll go with you. But that, that seems like a weird logic leap. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it would have made more sense if they had, you know, maybe been like, uh, hey, we need to find out if anyone else heard this noise. Like, let's go look at a map and see who, like, lives near there. And then they see Rory's house. And they're like, well, that's a weird coincidence. Like, Rory lives so close to there. And then kind of maybe piece it together, but just to jump directly to like, it's in the drinking water. It was like, a, right. That was a huge leap. Cause, cause in the original, like it gets in the, it gets in the water and then like seeps down into like the well water of the town and the military are the ones that explain this. They're like, you know, Trixie got into the town's water supply. We thought that it wasn't active, but clearly it is. So it's like, they explain to the viewer, oh shit, it's poisoned the water supply. And this is why people are crazy. In this one, David's like, aha, I figured it out. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really my only complaint with the film. <laughs> yeah, For me, the biggest mystery of this is why did that plane go down? Was it an attack? Did the guy go crazy? But like he couldn't have gone crazy. He was in the parachute and he looked to yeah. be in pain when he got on the ground. So, right. ooh, mysterious. Yeah, that's that's a good point, because they, they never really explain in the first one why the plane went down either other than a malfunction. They just, you know, say that the plane went down. So, and then, yeah, in this one, they really leave that kind of open-ended. It's weird. Yeah, it's a good idea. Because that's been on my mind for, like, this entire thing. How on earth did that plane go down? Because when it shows us the wide shot, the engine and the tip of the wing are bent upwards. And I'm going to assume that's how David saw it. Because he's like, why is there metal in this lake? Right. Um, Right? I would be confused, too, if I saw that. But... Like we see that's bent up, and we also see the wing is missing. Probably it's like detached, probably from the crash, but that could also be from something else. Hmm? Right. I'm gonna go with with the tried and true explanation of aliens. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it! You just gave the whole movie away, Mike. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Seriously, man. 
<laughs> but uh, David goes to appeal to the to the mayor to shut off the water, and the mayor tells him that it's a farming community. Uh, this and it's, guy, <laughs> yeah, he's a dick. Uh-huh. Whoa, he's he he's fat. <laughs> Even, <laughs> that's all I could think. I was like, whoa, this fat man's was, eating some. <laughs> eating some fat was surprisingly pie, no huh? man boobs. I was like, where, 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 where are the man titas, huh? Where are they? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But he's just like swimming in his pool, and David's like, you know, we need to shut off the the water supply. And he's like, it's a farming community, and it's springtime, which means it's planting season, so the water stays on. And then he starts reading his newspaper, like, and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to David and Russell shutting off the water anyway, which cracked me up because it's like, okay, and then they just break it and shut it off. You're going to lose your job for this, you know. <laughs> He's like, oh, well. <laughs> it's like, I am the law. I can do what I want. Exactly. And then Russell's like, bro, the mayor's above you. You're going <laughs> to gonna end up in prison for this. <laughs> right. You're going to be with Bill, which we cut back to the station, and Bill has gone full zombie. He's all bloody and veiny and, and screaming, trying to get at him. Uh, apparently uh, in the cell, now I didn't notice this, uh, it was in the trivia, but there's uh, uh, like graffiti on the wall that says Romero, which I was like, oh, I just need to go back and check that out. <laughs> I didn't notice that. But um, yeah, so they, they're they're freaking out, like wondering what the hell's wrong with him. And David says, we requested a transfer this morning. Why is he even still here? And then he notices on the computer that they have no internet. He checks his cell phone and realizes that they have no signal. They've been completely cut off. So now we get this creepy moment of David walking down Main Street and seeing like it's completely abandoned. And this is where we get the, the Lynn Lowry uh, cameo because she rides by on her bicycle kind of singing. And then we notice a black van in the distance taking photos of David as he approaches. David hears uh, or David kind of you know sees that and starts heading toward him as the black van's like, fuck you, and takes off. <laughs> um, so then he hears a noise coming from the coroner's office and goes in to investigate. He finds the funeral director with his eyes and mouth sewn shut and very much still alive. This part kind of bugs me because he cuts the stitching of the guy's mouth open. Now, keep in mind, his eyes are sewn shut. Cuts the stitching open and the guy says, behind you. How did he know? Okay, so I noticed this uh, when I was watching it again. His eyes aren't shut fully. They're like halfway shut. I noticed the, the white of his eyes was still there. So it's like he's kind of like squinting almost. <laughs> eh, I still call shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, they got rid of the cell phones good here. Yeah. Because right? it's yeah. it's like, oh, no, we got to quarantine this whole town. We got to turn off the Wi-Fi and stuff so they can't uh, tell people. But like, hey, we're being, being killed over here. Help. <laughs> that was a persistent problem from about 1998 until like 2015 where every horror movie was like, how do we get cell phones out of the picture? And then eventually they were just like, screw it, write cell phones into the movie. <laughs> they were like, stop trying to take them out. It's always, it's always ham fisted. Well, with the exception of stuff like this, where they're completely shut off for a reason, but usually it's like, Oh, I can't get a signal out here. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Like in fright night when they were driving, they're like, I can never get a signal out here. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, but, Ron um, does that very well too. Yeah, modern movies tend to tend to do that really well. And I, I'm glad that people finally figured it out. Like, ah, screw it. We're stuck with cell phones. Let's figure out how to work with them. You know, but um, uh, David turns around and is whacked upside the head by the coroner with a metal pole. Um, and it, yeah, like now the coroner is like full blown crazy at this point. He's got the blood coming out of his nose, the veiny neck, all that. 
So David is dazed for a moment, and then the coroner comes at him with a bone saw. So the two fight. David pulls the cord, uh, cord of the saw, which is wrapped around the corner, pulling his arms down, which makes him cut his own arm with the saw. He falls, drops the saw, which comes flying straight at David's junk, which that's a terrifying moment. It's just zipping along the ground like, ha ha, going to get you. <laughs> so Russell saves the day by stomping on the cord and then unplugging it. So the runaway bone saw could not uh, attack David. So we cut to David and <clears throat> David at home with Judy. He's trying to get her to leave town and say, go stay with your parents until all this blows over. They then see someone out in their barn. So David goes to investigate and is jumped by a bunch of soldiers in gas masks who <laughs> gather him and Judy and throw him on a bus with Russell and a bunch of other townsfolk. Cut to the school where the military has set up a quarantine zone. The whole town is being corralled and locked up. They start taking everyone's temperature, looking for elevated temps. Judy surmises that it must be some kind of virus. Now, again, this is different from the original because they there was no like um, gestation period for the virus in the original. They were like, it could take a day, it could be weeks, who knows? And they had no way of telling who was infected and who wasn't. So there was constantly this question throughout the entire movie of, are you sick or aren't you sick? Like, is it just the stress of the event that's making you act weird or are you actually crazy? So... In a way, that part was really cool in the original because it left you constantly questioning with every character. Whereas with this, we kind of get a, a clear idea of who's infected and who isn't. Yeah. But um, so they, they take Judy's temp and find out that it's elevated. So they take her away. David tries to fight back and uh, tries to fight back to get her and he gets knocked the fuck out. <laughs> they just <laughs> clock him upside the head. Uh, so then we see Judy strapped to a table uh, and, and taken into the school where we see infected people, bloody gurneys, and this huge tented off area where the soldiers are in containment suits. So pretty freaky moment. Reminded me a lot of E.T. Um, <laughs> with the big white tent. <laughs> I, yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, oh, man, looks like we're watching E.T. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, all I could think of was like, is this what my mom had to wear to treat patients near the beginning of COVID? Because I actually have a picture of her. And like full oh, suit, yeah. but like I was like, she has a respirator with a mask on in a full suit. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, it was. All I can imagine is I, start. All I can imagine is just imagine being a child in a bed, and then that thing comes in, and it's like, do not be afraid. I would be screaming. <laughs> it's like the scene in uh, Back to the Future. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, the 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 gear people had to wear at the start of covid was crazy i mean to to the to a degree still have to wear but uh ugh, yeah i'm glad i'm, I, I'm not a nurse <laughs> crazy <laughs> stuff they had to deal with but um you know she begs them not to hurt her telling them that she's pregnant and then they gas her and knock her out so cut to david waking up in the back of a cattle truck with several several other townsfolk they arrive at their destination and find out that they're outside of town at a rest stop being relocated by the military so they're telling him that all the uninfected are being brought out to safety. Back at the school, we see Judy strapped on a gurney in a room with several other people. Some of them are giggling like loons. Others are coughing up blood. She's surrounded by the infected and soldiers with guns. There's a commotion outside and we see a group of townsfolk in a pickup truck with uh, they kind of run down the enclosure to the like the, the um, it's like a big fenced off area where they had all of the townsfolk corralled. So they, they run over the enclosure and get into a firefight with the soldiers. And then a few of the townsfolk start killing the soldiers and breaking out. So back to David and the uninfected, 
Uh, he talks to another townie and finds out that the families, that, like most of their families have been separated, that they took this guy's wife just like they took Judy. David tells him he's going to get back into town, and the guy tells him not to try, stating that another townie did and his whole family were shot dead by the soldiers. He tells David it's a fool's errand, and David tells him, don't ask me why I can't leave without my wife, and I won't ask you why you can't, or why you can leave without yours. And I was like, oh, oh bird! Ooh, <laughs> the shade. Right? And this part kind of does bug me, because uh, David tells him he's going to get back to town, right? He just glances at a truck. Now, keep in mind, there's military everywhere. He glances over at a truck thinking like, okay, he's going to steal that truck. We never see how he escapes, but the next time we see David, he's back in town. So he not only stole a truck, but escaped all of those soldiers and passed the checkpoint that the other guy apparently got killed at with his whole family. If we ever need a spy, I know who to call. <laughs> this man will never get caught. <laughs> I'm like, how did that happen exactly? <laughs> yeah, these people are from a small town, not like some high military like uh, place or something. Like we see Russell <laughs> literally snipe a guy through a window. Right. And I'm like, dang, man, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing out here? Becoming a ninja or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> these guys are like crazy paramilitary, you know, in and of themselves. Yeah. But, yeah, so David arrives back at town. And I'm like, how the hell did he get there? <laughs> so, it's a but movie. He, <laughs> right. Movie's got a movie. <laughs> so he goes to the police station where, of course, all the guns have been removed. He goes over to his desk, takes out a small locked box containing a revolver. He hears someone coming in, quickly loads it and aims it right as Russell comes in aiming a shotgun. So he tells David about the breakout uh, due to the pickup trucks, basically saying that that's how he escaped quarantine. And I was like, oh, that means Russell was in quarantine, so he had an elevated temp. Oh, he's going to turn. <laughs> <laughs> but Russ tells David that Judy is still inside, and David tells him she's not infected. She's, running a, she's been running a fever all month because she's pregnant. So the two of them head off together. Uh, back to Judy, we see her assistant, Becca, is also strapped in the room with her. And uh, we see the, you know, the, guy, the guy laughing in the background really got on my nerves in this scene because we keep cutting over to him just like, hee, 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 hee. <laughs> it's like the whole time he's doing, I'm like, all right, dude, we get it. You're crazy. Shut up. Like, it's, it's annoying me. But this whole, this whole sequence is just creepy as shit. So Judy tries to tell Becca to stay calm and everything will be all right. To which Beckett tells her, you don't actually believe that, do you? And then we hear this scraping. Something is coming down the hall. And uh, this is, this is where we get the cover shot from. We see old Principal Ben dragging a pitchfork down the hall, bloody pitchfork. He looks around at all the people strapped down, walks over to a woman muttering to herself, and impales her with the pitchfork so hard he pushes it clean through the gurney without ever making a sound. That's pretty brutal. He does it multiple times, too, to multiple people. And I was, I was sitting there watching this like, ooh, I could feel that. But yeah. I got stabbed. Because, like... like that's oh that and that like, scene freaked me out. He was just like, like emotionless and like expressionless the entire time. So he's just like he to me he was kind of like a kind of like a robot, just like cocking his head and like observing, like oh yes, this is how humans behave. Let <laughs> me watched, exterminate a few, you know. Just he watched Kane Potter play as Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that scene, that whole sequence was just like effing creepy when he's just murdering the people but um 
Yeah, so, you know, obviously Becca and Judy are going to be scared as hell because there's, you know, Principal Ben stabbing the shit out of people. Um, He then goes over to Laughing Boy, stabs the hell out of him, while Becca and Judy can only watch helplessly. He goes to stab Becca. Judy screams, getting his attention. So slowly he drags the bloody pitchfork over to her, raises it to stab her, and then blam, he's shot dead. David and Russell rush into the room, free Judy and Becca. And I'm like... (laughs) I like how they just leave all the other people there. Like, whelp your nuts. Guess this is how you die. (laughs) Just like, bye-bye now. Have a fun time. You're just going to starve to death strapped to a gurney. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Well, technically they won't starve, but they didn't know that. Yeah. But they go outside and see, this is where we see the crazy old lady talking to all the corpses in the yard going, did Peter call? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, oh. I know it's supposed to be sad, but I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I felt, I was like cackling. I was like, <laughs> why am I laughing? This is like... <laughs> it's supposed to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> She's a sad, lonely old lady. <laughs> we we don't do sad on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Only don't scary we... and funny. Yep. Don't we normally laugh at horror films? <laughs> Not really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, dude, so that makes this any different. When we, when we saw Slumber Party Massacre last week, oh my god, the entire theater was losing their mind. <laughs> it was funny as hell. One time, me and Dad were watching a horror movie, and this girl was running, of course, up the stairs, as usual. Oh yeah. Stupid. Anyway, she was running, and the killer comes up, and it's just like, comes around the corner, is like, hello! And like, <laughs> stabs her in the stomach, and we just start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not, like, some of those jump scares are always funny. You know, like, it, it's really hard to do a jump scare properly where it's not kind of amusing at the same time. Because a lot of times you can see it coming. But, mm-hmm. so yeah, so, you know, they're they're looking at old lady talking to the corpses. And Russell looks worried, saying, that's going to be me. David tries to calm him down and tells him that they're all getting out of here alive. Russell doesn't seem so sure. So now we cut to, to Russell, David, Judy, and Becca marching down Main Street, which is on fire. So it's the scene from the beginning. This is also where we see some crazies punching a dumpster for, you know, reasons. <laughs> we're, we're still they trying need to, to get to the out. raccoons. You're right. They're like, come on out now. <laughs> and all of the vehicles up and down Main Street have been booted, so they can't use any of them. Eventually, they find a truck that, that hasn't been booted, but the back of the pickup is dripping with blood. Suddenly, they hear a gunshot and they hide. We see a guy run out of a nearby alley and the rednecks from earlier, the hunters, come out you know, with their guns and shoot him dead. They excitedly drag the corpse back to the bloody truck and throw him in with a bunch of other bodies. They get in their truck and take off. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure that won't be a problem anymore, right? They're no longer going to be bad guys. <laughs> oh, definitely sure that's not. not. going to come back. <laughs> this is why uh, hunters always make me a bit uneasy. Like before <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. You hunt, that's cool. But now after like watching... So many horror moves and just like, what's stopping you from killing a human if you can kill an animal? It's so easy. Like, huh? Huh? What's stopping you? Night of the Living Dead, hunting humans. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, so they have no group or they have no choice but to, to hoof it. So they take off across the farmland. Judy tells David how the military took her blood and did one test that she saw. She wonders if the, the reason they didn't let her go is because she's infected. David tells her that they drank from the same tap, and since he doesn't have it, then she doesn't have it either. She doesn't seem so sure. So they come across the McGregor farm, and Becca runs off to check on her boyfriend, Scotty, causing the others to go follow. 
They eventually find Scotty and he pulls a rifle on them, making us think that maybe he's gone cray cray. He slowly approaches, uh, approaches them, not listening to Becca and Russell, telling them that they're fine and to put the gun down. David comes up alongside of him, points a gun at his head, snapping Scotty back to reality. David takes his gun and Scotty says, oh, oh, I had to be sure. I'm like, yeah, you're fucking nuts. (laughs) Yeah, buddy, one does not simply point a gun at their girlfriend after saying after they said, oh, I'm fine. Right. And they don't look crazy. Like, (laughs) boy, what are you doing? (laughs) And and really, what was how was he making sure? Like, what was what was his tactic here? Like, I'm going to silently approach you while aiming a gun at your head. That'll teach me if you're crazy or not. No, you're nuts. You're just going to traumatize whoever came here. Right. So, and of course, after they get the gun away from him, Becca runs up and hugs Scotty. Like, yeah, no, I wouldn't be so keen to hug him. (laughs) But he tells tells them that his mother is inside gathering some supplies and then they're going to leave. David hears something and forces everyone into the barn right as some more soldiers come into view and surround the house. They watch as the soldiers pull Scotty's mom out of the house, take her temp, which indicates that she is indeed infected. And Scotty runs out of the barn trying to get to his mother. The soldiers shoot him down. His mom runs to get to Scotty. They shoot her and then they light them on fire with a flamethrower. Yeah, this scene is pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn. They're not I wonder if they survived that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We never, uh, we never but, did find out. It was a mystery at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was say, right before let the me, end, they just, I'm well, not dead yet. If I, was there, if I was there, I would get a stick and poke him and be like, You okay? <laughs> <laughs> Touch. What were you going to say, Maurice? I was going to say, Let me check my notes. No, they're dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So the soldiers say to sweep the area. And David tells Becca and Judy to hide in the back of the barn while he and Russell ambush a soldier as he comes in to check the barn. They drag him in the back, remove his mask, and talk to him, finding out that the soldiers had no clue where they were going or what had happened in the town. They were just told that there was some kind of accident and they were just following orders. He's scared, thinking that he's going to die without his mask. He thinks that he'll get the virus. Judy asks him, is that what they told you? And he tells them, they just told me not to take my mask off. Another soldier comes in. And David tells him that, uh, I'm sorry, he tells David, if you let me go, I won't give you up. And the group has no choice but to trust him because eventually this soldier is going to make his way to the back of the barn and find all of them. So they give him back his gas or his gas mask, give him back his gun and tell him, you know, to leave. So he goes out, tells the other soldier that it's clear. There's this like tense moment where it almost looks like he's going to give him up. But he's like, oh, no, no, it's clear. And then the two take off. So the group waits until morning to leave the barn. And Judy tells David if what that soldier said is true, then the disease may have gone airborne. And But, you know, they have no choice but to keep moving. So they make their way back to David and Judy's house. And this is where uh, they, they kind of, like, get, go, go through the house and gather supplies. Like, they're, they have a car in the barn. So Russell and Becca go to prep the car. they got to put tires on it. And then you have uh, David and Judy going through their house, gathering supplies. Judy goes into the nursery, you know, kind of like talking to her, her unborn son or unborn child saying this was going to be your home. And we pan out to a wide shot revealing Peggy Hamill just standing in the corner of the nursery like a fucking zombie. The first Wait, time so, I saw that, I jumped. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. First time. But then the second time I saw this movie, I thought, wait a second. We, we were just commenting about how, you know, David and Russ are like these like paramilitary, like trained guys live in this small town in the middle of nowhere. And they've done a really good job of being like tough badasses. So why didn't they sweep the house? Right. Like, and I know it was yeah. David's house where he lived, but we've already seen them They've already been attacked in so many places where they felt like they were comfortable and the house was unlocked in the middle of nowhere in a town full of crazy people. They could have just taken two minutes to sweep the house, but right. no. No, we're just, we're just, we're all good. We're, we're going to run around and let the crazies be here. But David hears lullaby music coming from the nursery and goes upstairs to talk to Judy. He assumes, you know, she's having trouble letting go. So he goes in there and finds her uh, bound and gagged to a chair. He goes down holster his gun, but isn't quick enough. Kurt Hamill jumps on his back and begins choking him with a cord. David falls to the floor, drops his gun while Kurt is on his back choking him. David reaches for the gun and Peggy stabs his hand to the floor. And well, that that gets for cringe. not sweeping the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this, this was also a big thing from like, I'd say 97 to like 2012 is hand trauma. Where yeah. people would get like a shot like through their hand, a knife through their hand, you know, a, 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 ha a hatchet down the middle of their hand. There was a lot of hand trauma in horror movies. Well, they moved away from eye trauma. Yeah, they had to move to another body part. <laughs> but uh, so David's, you know, he's pinned to the ground with the, the knife through his hand. Peggy picks up the gun and comments to her son, this is the gun that killed your father. She then points it at Judy. David desperately tries to get her attention back on back on him and away from Judy, but she cocks the gun like she's going to kill Judy. David yells at her that he's the one that killed Rory and he's glad he did it. They should give him a medal for finally killing the town drunk. So she turns to David. He ends up smacking the gun out of her hand, yanks his hand up out of the floor, knife still impaled through it, and then grabs her by the throat with the knife hand. So impaling her, her throat with the freaking knife still embedded in his hand. This is the kill I wanted to talk about. Oh my god. I saw this and was like, yep, this movie's this movie's badass. I love oh, it so much now. <laughs> it was so brutal. <laughs> and then he has to pull the knife out. I was like, oh god. <laughs> but I have a question. This is this is a contagion movie. So th this is this is a virus. Wouldn't that possibly infect him? Yeah, I thought about that, and I was, we had just happened to be going over viruses in school uh, right before we did this podcast, but, like, I was, I'm, like, looking at this man, she's like, you have an open bleeding wound, you touched this woman, her blood is now mixing with yours, I know you have a doctor in the house, but, boy, you gonna get infected. Well, like, plus, he pulled the bloody knife that was in her throat out through his hand, like literally running her blood through his open wound. Exactly. So mm -hmm. it's like, uh, that doesn't seem to bode well. Yeah. Well, I, we, we find out later on uh, a little bit more about the, the virus from the, the like, government guy or whatever that, you know, we'll get there. But uh, he made a comment about how there's an incubation period and it's like yeah. 48 hours. So in after 48 hours, either like, you know, you're crazy or like you don't have it, but also, they said that that 
that that guy, the the town, you know, guy uh, who's like full of shit, who heard the crash was like, mm-hmm. you know, what, like a week ago or something. Right. They said so. And then they said that the, the coroner said that the dead body had been in the water for at least a week. So that tells me every single person in this town who has consumed tap water in some way is infected. I think everybody was infected. So it doesn't matter if he got some blood in his wound because he was already infected. But he it just didn't it didn't affect him in the same way because mm-hmm. we saw it affect everybody differently like you know russell was like a real like slow build some people literally went like crazy like you said like punching dumpsters or riding bikes and singing songs some people turned murderous some people mm-hmm. completely lost their minds and were like mindless zombies but some people like the 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 hunters they they retained like their 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 thought processes and instincts, you know? So I really yeah. think, just think it affected everybody and lucky for us because it's a great movie and we get to have the main character who doesn't go <laughs> no nuts so that we can have a movie to watch. Right. You know? <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's an interesting idea. Cause I, I didn't think of that where, where my mind went with this is cause in the original, um, the, the, this character, the David character, uh, totally different character altogether in the original film, but he has a natural immunity. Because they mention that they're like, you know, we need to find someone that has a natural immunity to this and use their blood to, like, basically build a vaccine. Is this and, The Last um, of Us all over again? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. I don't even like, play that game. Like, come on now. Oh, seriously. Last of Us 1 and 2. Oh, my God. Two of the best video games I've ever played. <laughs> I freaking love those games. <laughs> like, I... I can't play The Last of Us 2 without bawling like an infant. Like, it's so sad. But so good. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, like, so I took it as that, but I I like your theory, Josh, like that they're they're all already infected. It's all too late. (laughs) So yeah, I think that's cool. That's the, and that's like the walk, that's the walking dead, you know, uh, theory as well. Like, Hey, spoiler alert for the first, first season of that show. And, uh, (laughs) like what the sixth issue of the comic, I think it was, but yeah, it was the same idea, but it was, it was groundbreaking at the time. I think right. for for a, a zombie type story to suddenly be like, yeah, everybody is already infected. Like nobody's going to get the disease because everybody already has it was like a really like new thing at the time. Um, right. But yeah, anyway. Well, and, and he to, to be fair, he kind of built on something that Romero uh, had, had said and threw away in Night of the Living Dead. Like it was just kind of a little throwaway commentary. True. Um, wait, was that either in the original Night of the Living Dead or the beginning of Dawn? I can't remember. But one of them. There's like the talking head saying, like, if you die, you come back. Like, basically, they're saying, like, you have to, you know, uh, kill the brain. So they're they're yeah. they're talking about like people come like doesn't matter how you die. If you die, you're coming back. And the, in the original Night of the Living Dead, the whole idea was, you know, the dust from the comet, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, then it kind of like slowly changed and morphed into this thing where it was just like whatever this was, whether it be the Dawn of the Dead explanation of there's no more room in hell you know, the day of the dead explanation of like, you know, it, it's some kind of virus, you know, what, whatever it is, it's affected everybody. So if you die, you're coming back. So put a bullet in your head, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I totally lost my place on here. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, stabby, stabby. OK, there we go. <laughs> she got stabbed in the throat. Um, so, yeah, he pulls the, the knife out and it just that that scene is brutal. Peggy falls down dead, but behind her, Kurt is standing there holding up the gun, like pointing at David. Suddenly, Kurt is shot through the back and falls down dead. David looks out the window, and this is where where Tegan was mentioning Russell killed him like a sniper. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit, he just shot him dead. And then he just walks back to the barn like nothing happened. (laughs) So, (laughs) 
Um, so David frees Judy and the others come running in. Russell sees uh, sees Peggy twitch and he takes David's gun and shoots her, shoots her and Kurt several times until David yells at him and Russell snaps back to reality saying, oh, I was just making sure. So clearly Russell's becoming unhinged. Um, so the group gets, you know, the, the group is a little bit nervous. Like Judy doesn't want to go with Russell, but David's like, look, he's helped us out so many times. Like we got to just trust him for now. So they get in the car and the group leaves. Now we get this moment in the car where Becca can't stop coughing, making it seem like she's sick. Russell starts flipping out on her. David tries to calm him down, you know, and then, you know, he, he starts getting angry. Like, what do you, what do you mean? What do you, why, why do you want me to shut up? You know? So they're like arguing back and forth. So making it seem like both Russell and Becca are sick. Then suddenly a helicopter flies overhead, the group panic and it turns back around, starts coming back toward him. So they hide in, they drive into a car wash to hide. Becca says she sees someone like someone in the car wash and then it turns on, forcing them to move forward. Dun, dun, dun. So they're trapped this in the car. What's this that? is a great scene. I would say this is a great scene. Oh, yeah. No, I love this scene. So they're, they're oh, trapped definitely. in the car. And uh, this is how you make a car wash eerie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you can see between the brushes, like, random people moving around. I was like, oh, shit. Something bad's going to happen. <laughs> so they try it's to just, drive. It's just okay. the workers. They're coming to make your car extra clean. They're going to give you that turtle wax treatment. Yeah, they do it right in the washer. Yep. That, I mean, he even cleaned the window for. for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they they first try to drive and they can't get the car started. And then once they get the car started, they can't get any traction. So I love this, though. Russell sticks his gun out the window and just starts shooting. He's like, I saw somebody. <laughs> and then the gun gets knocked out of his hand by the big spinny brush. <laughs> He's like, damn it. I, I thought he was going to lose his arm there because it kept on like going back. Right. Yeah, I was like, well, this is how you lose your lose your arm, redneck style. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so after his, he, he loses his gun, suddenly the men jump on the car. They break the windows and begin attacking the group. I love how Judy just grabs the one guy by the head and is just screaming and pummeling his face into the dash. <laughs> it was like a howler monkey. She was just beating his face. No mercy. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. She was like, ah, ah, <laughs> just kept pounding his head. Oh, man. So finally, they, they fight all of them off and they go to drive out. But one last dude was on the roof of the car. He throws a noose around Becca's neck. And as they pull away, she gets yanked out of the window. So they slam on the brakes, sending the guy on the roof flying. David shoots him dead. Russell and Judy run back to help Becca. They get her down, but find out it's too late. Becca's dead. Suddenly, a fucking missile hits the car, blowing it up. <laughs> because when it rains, it fucking pours. <laughs> they, had, they, had one, they had one missile in the movie, and they had to use it there. Right. Yeah. They like, got to test run it. You just see the helicopter flying away like, ha ha, got you. <laughs> but poor Becca, man. Yeah, what a way like, to go. Oof. Let's hope it was at least seemingly painless. Right. I hope it was quick because that that looked gross. Like she just yeah, got yanked out by her head. Yeah, you could hear the neck snap, but it took like a second for it to actually happen. Also, yep. can we talk about the strength of these car wash men? Like they should be doing way more than just car washing. Like they punch <laughs> in a windshield and just car doors like it was like piece of paper. Right. <laughs> like no pain whatsoever. <laughs> no 
<laughs> no pain, no gain. It ain't clean if it's not painful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoisting the brushes, throwing it at him. Oh, man. So we cut to the group walking down the road. They come across some wrecked vehicles. One is a police cruiser and one is a civilian vehicle. Both are completely unusable. They see a car coming down the road. David loads his gun and tells Judy we're taking this car. But Russell has other plans. He pulls a spike strip from the police vehicle and throws it across the road. The car hits it, blows out its tires, and goes tumbling. <laughs> what a dumbass. <laughs> I love it because he, like, he was like, Bro, Russell, what are you doing? Like, come on now. There's no helicopters. That was your only way out of town. Right. Stupid boy. And, well, and he had commented earlier when they first got, uh, all get rounded up about how they blew out the tires on his truck. So when he did this, he was like, woohoo, like, I got you back. <laughs> <laughs> but they go running over to the vehicle and, and Russell goes to shoot the driver. But David stops him telling him he wants to talk to him. We find out he's he's the government man sent from the government. The government has sent him. Uh, it's all I could think about was Invader Zim. <laughs> but he's, he's one of the operatives. We find out that he was... Uh, we find out that the plane was carrying a biological weapon called Trixie. So this is where we get the uh, the backstory of everything. Finds out that it was designed to destabilize, destabilize an entire population. In this case, the wrong one. Uh, they were taking it to Texas to incinerate it, but the plane crashed along the way. Uh, they they did they, they did what they had to do to avoid a global pandemic. So basically, it sucks that it that it was an outbreak in your town, but hey, we're killing everyone to keep it from happening globally. So it sucks to be you, guys. Coronavirus all over again, my guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he tells them the incubation period is 48 hours. Says if you don't have it by then, you're fine. David tells him it's been three days and they're still fine. And then suddenly, blam, Russell shoots the guy in the head. David <laughs> flips out telling him, I said I wanted to talk to him. And he just goes, you talked. Like, I, <laughs> I did like that scene. <laughs> But he then sets his rifle down and begins looking through the vehicle. When he comes out, his gun, uh, you know, his gun is missing. And we see David is holding the rifle. And uh, he's like, give me my gun back, David. And he's like, oh, no, no, you, you've been carrying it the whole time. I'll carry it for you. <laughs> so he's playing it off like, I'm doing you a favor. I'm not really scared that you're crazy. And then Russell pulls his sidearm and takes the gun, you know, takes the gun back <laughs> along with David's hand uh, sidearm. And, um. He threatens both David and Judy, comments that he saved David's ass three times already, and then tells him to march ahead of him. So now we see this little montage of David and Judy walking along with Russell walking behind him. So continues down the road for a ways. Russell gets frustrated with the rifle, fires off a couple rounds and throws it down, saying it was too heavy and continues to walk behind him. Finally, David says, you know, he needs to talk to, to Russell. So he turns to confront him and talk to him man to man. He convinces him he just wants to talk. And as soon as Russell lowers his gun, David punches him in the face. <laughs> He's like, psych, got him. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Took him down. But <laughs> I love this because Russell's reaction is he touches the blood on his nose and he's like, you remember that fish I caught? <laughs> just like totally out of there. Like, OK, yeah, he's he's gone. And then he, he has that moment of clarity where he realizes he's infected and he asks David if he can walk with him just for a bit longer. So we cut to the three of them walking again as the sun is setting. We see him coming up to a military checkpoint, 
They need to get to the other side of the highway that the, the checkpoint is on to be able to continue out of town. So Russell tells them that uh, they won't see David and Judy because they'll be too busy focusing on him. David tells him he doesn't want to do this. Russell tells him, I'm going to die anyway. Let me mean it. Let, let it mean something. So he wants to help him get away. Da- uh, David hands him the gun. Russell takes it, heads off to sacrifice himself. So Russell runs up to the checkpoint, hands raised, announcing himself. They tell him to get down on the ground. He ducks behind a vehicle. And, and this this part's sad. He takes the clip out of the gun and ejects the one bullet in the chamber so he can't hurt anybody. Oh. Goes back out. They shoot him down. You know, he lays there dying on the, on the ground as David and Judy run away. And then we see them surround, uh, surround Russell. And he says, fuck you for what you did. And then we pan out to David and Judy out, like off on the other side of the highway. And we hear the gunshot. So Russell's dead. I love Russell, honestly. I would be friends with him. <laughs> Yeah, no, Russell, and, and I, I liked, I liked that ending for him. I was like, it's, it's a lot better than what happened to the friend in the original, because um, it's just kind of fucked up what happens to him in the original. But mm-hmm. in, in this one, it's like, you know, you, you feel bad for the guy. You knew he was, he was fighting the crazy. He didn't want to go. So I was like, all right, that's that. That was a good ending for him. But David and Judy make their way to the rest stop that David was brought to the night before. Um, where we saw all the military loading up the the uninfected and shipping them out. And now it's completely empty. They split up and look around. David finds a truck that they could use to escape. He goes to get Judy and finds her sitting outside the back of one of those cattle trucks, looking completely distraught. All around, we see spent bullet casings. David looks in the back of the truck, and we see tons and tons of burned corpses. So the military killed everyone, not just the infected. Yeah, so that get, scene, this scene messed me up a bit, man. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Remind me it, never to join the military. My <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, don't trust them. They're going to get you. <laughs> but now that that always freaks me out in, the, in these type of films, like where it's like they have to quarantine because it never ends well for the people in the quarantine. Either they're like, even, even in something as silly as Return of the Living Dead 2, where it's like the military cordons off the town and it's like the uninfected try to leave and the military's like, nope, and just starts shooting at them. <laughs> so it's like, it never ends well. <laughs> uh, yeah, you either, you either end up sitting uh, in a Zoom call in your boxers with a dress shirt on or you end up dead, either way. <laughs> exactly. Never turns out well. <laughs> or like, same thing in 28 Days Later. They make their way to the military and the military are horrible people in that one. So it's like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Damned if you do, damned if you don't. But um, we get this quiet moment where Judy is is scared and kind of feeling like everything is hopeless. They're sitting inside the restaurant of the rest stop. And, um, you know, David tries, you know, tries to pull her out of it. And, you know, she's like, you know, what's the use? We're all going to die anyway, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, if you want to sit here and die, I'll sit here and die with you. And that kind of pulls her back to reality. And, you know, she's like, you know, she wants to live. So they decide to take the truck to escape. Now we get a little montage of David gathering supplies from around the rest stop, including Chekhov's lighter, which will be used later, um, while Judy waits for him in the restaurant. Judy gets up to get a bottle of water, and behind her in the kitchen, we see one of the crazies just kind of watching her. That, again, very eerie shot. They, they do that well in this movie. And uh, David gets into the garage, gathers up all the keys he can find, and we see one of the military radios on the table. It starts squawking about T minus 10 minutes. So now we don't know what's going to happen, but we know they got 10 minutes and we start the Hollywood ticking clock. My most loathed trope. I hate the Hollywood ticking clock. 
Yeah, I was actually <laughs> counting down in my head as they were trying to, like, uh, leave. And I was right. like, boy, you've been dead, like, five minutes ago. Right. And, and, and this is the thing. It's like the fact that they need to escape to a safe distance. Like, all of the stuff that happens in the next sequence and then getting away. There's no way 10 minutes would have been enough. <laughs> so it's like. Oh, no. Definitely I, not. I, I hate. Like, I think the worst offender is the movie uh, Army of the Dead. There's they basically have a ticking clock of like 15 minutes and like the, the main character travels halfway across Vegas in a helicopter. There's a massive fight. There's like a rescue mission. All of this stuff, this stuff happens. And somehow they still get out in a 15 minute time from like, come on, stop nope. it. With that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like, no way. Put it like at least give us like an hour. Be like, oh, T minus, you know, 60 minutes until like, OK, that's believable. But 10 minutes, uh, all right. Mm, so Sure. You'll get out there with uh, your fingernail. That's about it. Right. Maybe even just an atom. <laughs> so David turns and sees uh, the garage. In the garage is the pickup truck from before filled with bodies. Dun, dun, dun. The rednecks are there. <laughs> Suddenly the power goes out. Judy looks behind her and sees a man with a rifle walking around outside. She quickly hides behind the counter and gets a knife. And of course, we have to have another jump scare moment because it's an early 2000s movie. <laughs> she peers around the corner and surprise, there's a redneck just looking back at you. I was like, boogie, boogie, boogie. He's going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> but, so she takes off and the rednecks start hunting her. She hides in a meat locker with a bunch of corpses. And there's a pretty tense moment here where the one guy with the big hunting knife walks into the locker looking around and she's just kind of like laying there hiding amongst the, the bodies that that's freaky. He slowly walks yeah. away. And then we get the David jump scare. And I got questions here. How the fuck did he get in a meat locker behind her without her knowing? Are there right? like two doors or something? <laughs> also, they did. They were merciless when killing those people. Oh, like, yeah. that one guy. I couldn't even see his mouth. It was either gone or like slit open or something. Yeah. Like there was the Yeah. The, the one guy was missing part of his jaw. There was the one lady that had the big hole in her head. Like, yeah, yeah they, they messed up. They messed up people up. Yeah, they, they did that stupid like little jump scare. That, that that dumb thing where like one character like grabs another character on the shoulder, and mm -hmm. you know you spin and it's like no, it's I'm one of the good guys. You know, it's like well, why the fuck are you grabbing my shoulder? Like right, I, I hate that trope in horror movies. And they did it four <laughs> times in this movie. I counted four times, <laughs> including right here. And it's like that's uh, you know for such a good movie, it pisses me off to when they do like lazy stuff like that or like David getting in the meat locker. Like sure, maybe he had the same idea and he hid in the same spot. Cool. They could have like played that off. They could have showed him. Maybe like she looked over and saw like his eyes like staring at her from underneath a corpse where he was like, shh, don't you right. know. Right. And that would have been so much cooler and yet creepy if he was like hiding under corpses than yep. to do this stupid like, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm your friend, but I'm gonna grab your shoulder from behind and scare the <laughs> shit out of you while we're all trying to be quiet. <laughs> like <laughs> see, I like your idea way better because yes, that I, I'm I much prefer the creep out to the jump scare. And, like, if she had looked over and saw David, like, laying under a body, like, with finger up to his lips, like, shh, you know, while, like, corpse blood is dripping down him, that would have been freaking creepy as hell versus oh, the, yeah. hey, I'm here, don't jump. Yeah, I prefer <laughs> to be more unsettled than I do to be uh, jump scared. Because, like, yeah, it's kind of off topic, but, like, the I'm going to pull up the Conjuring movies for this one. They mm -hmm. do use a lot of, like, jump scares and, like, visual Representations, but like I just want to be unsettled. Like mm -hmm. 
like, if you're going to show someone getting killed, do it in, like, the creepiest way possible. And then that's how you get a scary movie. Well, it's like, or if you're gonna, if you are gonna do a jump scare, it needs to pay off. And and I and I, I look at stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where it's like we get the jump scare of leather, like the first Leatherface appearance, where he slides that big door open and just like there's this huge hulking man wearing a freaking human skin mask with a like a meat mallet, and he pounds the dude in the head with it. But we don't pull away. We see the guy like twitching on the floor. He's not dead yet. Leatherface drags him into his lair and then slams the door shut. So it mm-hmm. starts off as a jump scare, but has the payoff. Like, I'm cool with a jump scare that way, but just like the boogie, 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 gotcha. I'm like, oh, stop it. <laughs> All I can think of whenever I hear or like see that sing, uh, scene is just like the um, like the doge dog with like a baseball bat going <laughs> bonk. <laughs> like anytime- Exactly. Anytime someone gets hit in the head like a baseball bat or a hammer, all I can think of is bonk. (laughs) (laughs) So we get the David jump scare. Uh, David and Judy head off to the truck. They open the cab, and then we get the body jump scare because we need a few more before the end of the (laughs) film. (laughs) So the corpse of the driver falls out. They get in the cab, begin trying all the keys while Judy keeps watch with the gun. None of the keys works. David realizes the keys are probably on the corpse of the driver, So he runs out of the cab to get them, uh, grabs the keys, and then suddenly the lights turn on. We see one of the rednecks on the other side of the window with a gun. He busts open the window right as David is dragged under the truck into the mechanic pit by one of the other rednecks. And the redneck with the gun begins shooting at the truck. Judy closes the door. David fights the big redneck in the mechanic pit. (laughs) Like while the dude (laughs) with the gun climbs into the cab of the truck to shoot Judy and she's just hiding in the corner with David's gun is like blammo just shoots him in the face <laughs> all I'm thinking of is like how did that truck driver die because he had a bullet through his skull but like the windshield wasn't broken and the door windows weren't broken so was there just like a hunter in the back just like hello bang <laughs> he would yeah, he opened the like door her. there yeah, they put a bullet in and just closed the door. We're just like, we're just going to keep you there for a while. Yeah, we'll just, say, we'll just save you for later. I'll keep it here for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So down in, in the mechanic pit, uh, David slams the oil pan into the redneck, covering him with oil. The guy pulls a gun. David pulls Chekhov's lighter and throws it at the redneck, lighting him ablaze. David grabs the keys and runs out of the pit before getting lit up, too. Judy grabs David, they get in the truck and take off. Now I have a question. What happened to redneck number three? Where's the guy yeah. with, the, with the, the big knife? They ran out of money. Knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. and like and I think and like red hat guy. Where did he go? Right. There's like, four of them. Just, yeah. They didn't explain, but, damn it. No. Well, they just drove away. That's what that's the you know. But I will say I really like this little garage scene. Like there's there's some lazy stuff in it, like the like the corpse, you know, jump scare when they open up the tr- the truck door, but but uh Judy like sitting in the back seat and just like you know, blowing the guy away and then yeah. uh, the the fight underneath in like the little mechanic trench. Like this was a pretty badass scene. And then I think she says something like like let's get the fuck out of here. Like yeah. you know, <laughs> I was like, Yeah, that that's right, get the fuck out of there, you know. But again, I was mad because they do like lazy stuff, just like before with the dumb jump scares and like with her like uh that whole like hiding in the freezer sequence. Like <sighs> okay, they don't keep lighter fluid 
in Zippo lighters no. on display for sale at a truck stop or anywhere. So right. there wouldn't have been any lighter fluid in the lighter in the first place for it to light up. And then for a second of all, how many movies, how many, no, how many dozens, hundreds of movies have you seen where somebody lights a lighter and then throws it like, yep. Anybody who's ever used a Zippo lighter knows, or any kind of lighter, you 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 can't just throw it on the ground and expect it to still be like on fire. Like that's not how they work. You can't throw a Zippo. Right. <laughs> Can we just take a minute to appreciate like how big this dang truck stop is compared to this town? This town is like <laughs> under two thousand people, yet this truck stop is like three buildings combined. There's a mechanics place, there's a diner, and there's like a store in there. And it's a big store. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, I've been to a few Bucky's for band trips, and it is very similar to the Bucky's I've been to. Like, huge, huge, huge truck stop, tiny, itty bitty little town. Right. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, they, uh, they, they get in the truck, like you said, get the fuck out of here, and they take off down the, down the highway. And uh, while they're driving, we get the, the countdown, the requisite countdown on the radio. Where it's, I think it was what it started at like thirty or something like that, like thirty minus thirty seconds. It's it was like thirty seven, thirty six, thirty five, and then yeah, and yeah. then they're they're driving and they're looking back at the town, looking back at the town, and then you know they get to zero, and at first there's nothing, and then boom, giant mushroom cloud in the distance. So Ogden Marsh was nuked. Then the shockwave hits them, sending the truck tumbling. They get pretty banged up, but they get out. Cut to the two of them wearing rest stop clothes, walking across long farmland toward the city in the distance of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We pan to a satellite shot from before, focusing on David and Judy, then out to Cedar Rapids, where it says population 1,256, initiate containment protocol. Credits, <laughs> the end. But wait, there's more! <laughs> we get the mid credit sequence where we see a news report about Ogden Marsh, and it's being reported that there was a chemical plant explosion which caused the devastation. The news feed gets interrupted, we see a soldier, and then a crazy growling at the screen, and the signal is lost. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That seemed weird, but all right. (laughs) It was 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 2010. They they weren't sure what they were doing with those credit scenes yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Although, to be fair, Dawn of the Dead got it right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don. No. Don the Dead. They didn't. They didn't just get it right. They like defined the, exactly how you do those credit sequences because it was an entire epilogue, not just a little stinger, yep. but an entire epilogue to the story that had a storyline in and of itself in like what, like two minutes. It was. It was awesome. And the thing I liked about that was it was like if you turned the movie off at the credit, or like when the credits start, you you have a satisfying ending to the story. If you watch the credits, you have a completely different ending to the story. And it's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. But, so, uh, uh you oh, okay. So I like how we could actually see the explosion before we actually heard it. Right? Yeah. That is eerie to me. Also, I've read a few books that have like nuclear bomb explosions in them. And I think I forgot which book it was exactly. But I think one of my favorite quotes from these was, it was only for an instant, but then the night was turned into day and all was lost. And I'm like, yo, (laughs) that is amazing. Right? Yeah, that is how you write a book. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty damn good description of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, there's, you know, I wonder how many horror movies end with a giant explosion. 
<laughs> there's a lot of them. <laughs> well, it's like you and I always say on Raised by Rentals. It's like how many times when you were a kid, like playing with your toys, and then like your mom calls you for dinner, and you're like, big explosion, everybody dies, you know? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Bob drops. <laughs> it's an easy way to get to get out, you know. And yeah. I, I, you know, and but in this case, I think it actually makes a lot of story sense, a lot more than these types of like just blow it all up, you know, at the end kind of endings do. Like this one didn't make oh, sense, you know. I mean, you could analyze it and wonder like why they bothered to mess with the people in the town so much if they were just going to blow them the fuck up anyway, you know. Right. So like I don't know what the thought process was. Plus, I was bummed because you know if you're sitting here rooting for these two characters to survive the whole time and you think they're going to make it and then they're completely irradiated by like what is probably like a <laughs> nuclear weapon and it's like well shit it doesn't matter if they make it to you know to uh, uh you cedar know rapids. C- yeah cedar rapids because you know they're all they're gonna die in, in a year anyway from like yeah, radiation that, poisoning. that baby in judy's belly oh, see yeah. you around nice oh, knowing you it's coming out with tentacles oh uh, yeah <laughs> It's like Professor X, right? This is like the X-Men prequel. That's what this is. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking about the baby the whole time. Like, this baby, all the stress that the mom is going through can surely not be good for this. Like, I was very surprised that the baby did not miscarriage from the amount of freaking stress this lady was going through. I was like, how is this thing still alive? And now that the bomb went off, well, well, he's either dying... Or he's coming out looking like an alien from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and that's one of the ways that this this differs greatly from the original, um, but also is kind of similar in the fact that like the people we're rooting for don't make it out. Uh, in in the original one, Judy is, is shot dead, like, the, and and she is pregnant too, but they they shoot her, um, and David is is taken in by the military, but the doctor who was like finding a cure for the virus ends up accidentally getting killed and no one knows that David is, has a natural immunity. And then eventually they're just going to destroy the town anyway. So it's like, we see that the soldiers backing out as they're like, well, we got to move on to the next location that might have an outbreak. Let's, let's kill this town. And it's like, damn, that's bleak. <laughs> so. so I want to mention the thing here real mm-hmm. quick. We watched that and, um, I can appreciate the details that they put in there. Like when the professor guy poked the dead dog, well, the dead quote unquote dog. uh, And then he later touched the eraser to his lips, therefore spreading the virus. I'm like, first of all, second of all, (laughs) that's, that's a way to keep it consistent. And I feel like they did that here because they explained that the water got to Rory's house first. Therefore the virus got to his house first and then spread from house to house. But also, if the if the virus has gone airborne, and that's why the soldiers need to keep their masks on, well, like Dad said, everyone's infected now at this point. Right. Right? Even that soldier who took his mask off, like, there's, he was right next to Russell, who is a crazy, and possibly David, um, Judy, and Becca were also infected too. So now that soldier's most likely infected Therefore, the rest of the army is most likely infected. Now the entire country is infected. Oh, God, nuke it all. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. It's crazy. But now the thing, I, I, that's that's hilarious that, that you picked up on that. Because, like, I've pointed that out to so many people. Like, no, he, he touched it to his mouth. Don't do that. Damn it, <laughs> Ripley, stop it. 
disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. We we actually <laughs> talked about that uh, on on the show because we we covered it uh, last year, and like we were all talking about like how gross it was that, that he was like touch and then hmm, I'm gonna touch my mouth. It's like no. Tasty. <laughs> Add some, add, just gotta add some spice, you know? <laughs> some flavor. <laughs> Delicious. But there's uh, there's not a lot of trivia with this one. Um, apparently, uh, with the, the, the crazy transformation, uh, required three hours of makeup for everybody that was fully transformed into the crazies. So I was like, that's, that's a good amount of makeup for that look. Um, and I, I mentioned the graffiti in the in the jail cell saying Romero. And then this is one of those ones. I always put this on here whenever I see him on IMDb. The questionable trivia um, hmm. that apparently Elizabeth Banks was supposed to uh, play the main character of Judy, but turned it down because she thought it was too similar to Slither. I'm like, mm, I call shenanigans. I feel like somebody just made that mental connection like the same way I did of like, hey, that looks similar to the opening to Slither. Hey, I'm going to say that she was supposed to do this. Because IMDb is very questionable with their trivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People people like to make shit up that like they think must be true. Right. <laughs> and then they put like Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed <laughs> to be in every 80s movie. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, Everyone. I feel like that that was more realistic than like you know all the Schwarzenegger ones because I mean she, blonde hair, same kind of character, but you know. Yeah, but I I don't know. Like she normally Elizabeth Banks rarely plays like a serious role. And and when she does play it serious, there's there's always comedy with it, you know. So I, I don't know. I mean, it could be true. She was she was popular at the time, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All I could but, think of was um boss. was Mrs. Banks from Mary Poppins. Whenever you said her name, I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, yes, votes for women. <laughs> Wasn't she Rita Repulsa in the last Power Rangers movie? Yes. Oh, I don't even know. I I didn't yeah. see it. I I didn't yes, see she that was. one. I was like, wait it, a sec, wasn't she in that? You know, it, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a Power Rangers fan. You know, I I watched it just because I was bored. But <laughs> <laughs> well, plus um, kaiju's that was always fun. <laughs> but I didn't think it was bad. Yeah, I, it was one of those movies where I had no desire to see it, but I'm sure like. It'll probably be one of those films I'll eventually just watch just because I do that a lot where I'm like, eh, I'm bored. Haven't seen this one yet. But uh, and if I make it through, it was good. If I don't, it's usually because I fell asleep because um, <laughs> I'm old. Well, but, that, uh, that, that was my commentary listening to your uh, Amityville Horror uh, episode is I kept thinking like, you know, I watched it and I remember thinking it was a perfectly serviceable movie. It told the exact same story as the original one like it was okay but mm. i i totally fell asleep like during the climax and like tegan kept like bugging me like wake up and i'm like uh okay <laughs> i'm like i'm like dad this man's getting killed wake up <laughs> all right let me watch the gore for a minute and then i gotta go back to bed <laughs> See, and, and like we said in the episode i it, it's just so hard to take ryan reynolds seriously as like a threatening character it yeah. just it, uh, Brolin played it so much scarier than him in the original. <laughs> and th- I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of stuff that like, I hate the ending. God, I hate the ending in, in the remake. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's, there's stuff that I can understand why people like it. But for me, eh, it's, I, I'm going to watch the original all the time. Like that. I, I much prefer the original, to that one. Um, 
Plus, there's great sound effects in the original, which on the episode that we covered, I I had to get sound bites. It was one of the few times I get sound bites for an episode. But like the nun retching is like one of my favorite sound bites in Hollywood because it's so weird. <laughs> She's like, uh, <laughs> the, the sound. The makeup for the crazies in this movie was top tier. I think like I've never seen a zombie design look like that before. Um, when we get the, the close up of the redneck in the mechanic pit, his yeah. eyes look like yellow and like the white area. And there's like he's like veins are popping out, but they're like all different colors too. Well, they're mostly red, but I did see a few on the crazies. One of them was like green. Mm-hmm. A, mo- a lot of them were blue, and they just looked like genuinely like sickly. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like the veins along the neck and like the fact that the eyes and the nose were like one of them was bleeding, the other one just looked insane was a helping factor to the whole. Ah, uh, yes, the entire town has lost its mind. Yep. <laughs> Now, the makeup was really good. I, I, I do really like the makeup on this movie. And and again, the gore effects were, were well done. So, like, there's there's a lot to like here as far as uh, in the case of remakes, because I know a lot of people hate remakes on principle. But, you know, if if you actually do enjoy the idea of the first movie or the original movie, this is a very good remake of it. It, it, it Like I said, it takes the the core elements of the original and it tells us a new, more cohesive story. Um, where there are plenty of differences, but also plenty of similarities. It, it does exactly what a good remake should do. Brings a lot new to the table without being um, insulting to what came before it. Yeah, I haven't even seen True. the original. I came in this completely blind, and even I still liked it. So if you if people have seen the original and watched this movie, I feel like they would like it. And if you haven't seen the original, you would still like this movie, because I had never seen it before in my life, and I still loved it. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a solid horror flick. Mm-hmm. But uh, does anyone have any closing thoughts that we haven't already touched on? Nope. Not for me. Uh, I'm all yeah. good. Alrighty. Well, then I guess we'll get into our social medias here. So uh, if you guys aren't following us on the social social medias, it's uh, the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter, and what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's the. Thank you very much. We also do have a Patreon. Uh, it is about to get paused momentarily because we are going to be taking a short break. Um, but it is $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as one exclusive episode every month. Uh, the higher tiers will get you stuff in the mail, like artwork and make it, make it so you can pick shows like pick a birthday episode, random episodes to cover throughout the year, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, We are also part of the Rad Pantheon Network. So uh, check out radpantheon.com and radpantheon on all the social media uh, where we basically it's it's a collective, an art collective, a super group, if you will, of uh, awesome people doing awesome stuff. So and with that, I'm going to toss it over to Josh to give some plugs as he is the leader of the Rad Pantheon. Hey, thanks. Rad Panthers. <laughs> uh, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Red Pantheon is is awesome, and I love all of the cool projects that are a part of it. Podcasts, you know, art, uh, photography, music, lots of great stuff. Um, uh, you can check out Comics Boost, one of my own projects on Instagram and Twitter, where I share uh, crowdfunding campaigns for comic book projects that I think deserve to become a reality and deserve your attention and money, uh, as well as uh, Raised by Rentals, uh, the podcast that uh, Mike here and I co-host, where we uh, look at our favorite uh, movies, TVs, and games of the VHS era, and we improv new stories and go on long-winded rants as well. And so you can check us out at Raised by Rentals all over the socials. 
Very cool, very cool. And I want to thank both of you for joining us. This was definitely a pleasure. Tegan, thank you for joining us for a full-length episode. This was awesome. You're very welcome. I I was so excited here that I actually told some of my friends about it. They're like, I've never heard of the Boogeyman's Closet. I'm like, check it out. It's awesome. <laughs> nice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I got you some sponsoring. I got you like some free new people to check it out on there <laughs> completely by accident. <laughs> And we, we will definitely have to bring you back for uh, for another Friday the 13th. Uh, I hear that part nine is one of your favorites. It is, actually. It's ah, actually, well. It's in, it's in my top five of the of all the movies, well, that's, which I that's, hear is an unpopular opinion. <laughs> it, it, it definitely is, but I can understand why. So we are, uh, that'll, that'll be our next Friday the 13th, so we will definitely have you back for that. Yeah. But yeah, as I mentioned, we are going to take a brief hiatus. We still have one more episode lined up, hopefully, to come out this month. As long as everything goes according to plan, we will still have one more episode this month. Um, But then we are going to take the month of June off. Uh, We are going to kind of reformat the show. Uh, We have some new directions that we're looking at. And um, I think that what will come out of it is a much better show in the long run. Uh, So we're looking forward to, to making some changes and kind of freshening up this three-year podcast, uh, it's time for a, for a short change or for a small change. But so thank every uh, thank you for everyone who's listening. I uh, really hope you guys continue along with us when we come back. But uh, yeah, as always, this is going to be Mike saying goodbye. See you. See you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Thank you.